did the monster match. The monster match. It was a graveyard smash. He did the match. It caught on in a flash. He did the match. He did the monster match. From my laboratory in the castle. So we got still quite a bit to talk about in the next hour and a half or so. And I would be a criminal if this wasn't our next topic and we did dedicate a good chunk of time <laughs> discussing something that for Matt and I is, is uh, we well, talk, it's important. It's, it's important and we talk probably too much about it. but A little too much. It's almost becoming the point where it's a sick obsession. But And that's not going to stop us. It's not. Fuck no. <laughs> of course not. Nothing could stop us. In terms of our obsession with this this fine gentleman, this fine specimen of a human being. Rob Zombie. Roberto Zombie. Robert Cummings. That is his... And Matt birth, is not Birth name, Robert Cummings. And I'm going to pull up his Wikipedia page. I know here. too much. And, and just learning in the past, like, two or three weeks, I know too much about Rob Zombie. <laughs> More than a normal human being should Born know. in... Boston. Boston, nineteen sixty five, January twelfth. So we're coming up on his birthday in He's like fifty one. He's older than he should be. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. I didn't know he was fifty one. Same age as my father. It's a nuts. Um so we have a lot to talk about in terms of this motherfucker. Because he's a motherfucker. Whether you like him or not. He fucks mothers. That's <laughs> ew. He might <laughs> ew. You know, he very well might. Um <laughs> I can't speak for for Sir we, Zombie. We cannot, we cannot attest that Rob Zombie does that. I will not speak for him. And if if you are listening right now, Rob Zombie, your or your lawyers, because you you hawk to anybody who's mentioning you on the internet. Oh my god! Uh, I can't speak for your your we personal go on to sex Facebook life. life, and it's just fucking Rob Zombie pops up in the. Oh in my the... goodness! Oh. What a day it would be. Make it my, would definitely cause some f- some unneeded drama in that my life. That would make my existence, I would say. <laughs> That'd be crazy. Just absolutely fucking Just validate nuts. everything that I've done up to this point. We'll start with the early career of Rob Zombie. So, Matt, how much do you know and how much can you give us a backstory on Robert? Too Cummings? much. And this is just, like, stuff that I've picked up on Wikipedia. I, To be real with you folks, I knew virtually none. Of, I went from knowing virtually none of... Rob Zombie's music to knowing about half to seventy five percent of it, and that's include like that's just his solo career, not including White Zombie. Goodness, uh, Rob Zombie was uh, he. Rob Zombie grew up. Yeah, he, he has a couple siblings. I'm not sure how many, but he grew up. His parents uh, were carnival workers, which may or may not be an inspiration for one of his. His movies or his existence. Yeah, that's true. Uh, uh, as a child, very mo- very molded by horror movies. I think he was quoted saying he always wanted to be a combination of Steven Spielberg, Alice Cooper, and Bela Lugosi. He's all over the fucking map. Um, which in a way, I think he's accomplished like one and a half of those on a good day. Mm-hmm. And spoiler alert: it ain't Spielberg. <laughs> um, definitely not. Uh. He actually, he went to school, I can't remember where, but he went to school for production design or some kind of, uh, like, Jesus, some kind of film work, some kind of design. And one of his first gigs was actually doing production set design on Pee-wee's Playhouse, uh, the classic children's TV show. I want you to just 
put it in perspective what we what your preconceived notions about Rob Zombie is, and then place him in an environment like Pee Wee Herman's playhouse. <laughs> This was this was pre pre white zombie though pre like like music career though but still (laughs) still because all I can imagine is Rob Zombie the now (laughs) the we have the Rob Zombie now working on Pee Wee's Playhouse it's just it's a sight to behold it's almost a sight that I need to see in my life but continue Matthew Schaefer so mid eighties he starts a band called White Zombie. there is uh, actually a Bela Lugosi movie called White Zombie. Uh, I would, probably that's probably where the I would assume, other than like his stage name, I would assume that's where the title derives from. Uh, uh, White Zombie's pretty cool, or I mean, like, and cool at the time. Like they're 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 a heavy metal band, heavy metal in the sense of like late eighties, early nineties, not like. Rob Zombie's music in general is not like as heavy as metal can be, especially in this day and age. But I'm getting ahead of myself. White Zombie's uh, pretty big uh, for the most part. They have they have a few hits. They have a handful of hits, but it's I think and for like it's just from the research I've done, it isn't until when Rob Zombie flies solo that shit explodes. From he releases uh, Hellbilly Deluxe, a parody of title of Brooks and Dunn's Hillbilly Deluxe, which is a uh, a country duo in their album. Uh, the albums are not related in any way except uh, in namesake. Hillbilly Deluxe explodes. It's got three massive hits right off the bat. Dragula, Living Dead Girl, Super Beast. Um, and he's just on a roll from there. He j- And he produces another album that has some more hits on it. Uh, he keeps like they're going platinum. Maybe don't quote me on that. I would assume they're going platinum. They were big. Rob Zombie late nineties. Rob Zombie was big. I, I was. I just watched The Matrix for the first time, and in that like club scene early on in the movie, they're playing a dance remix of Dragula. Rob Zombie was fucking big. The Psycho remake has a soundtrack album that has Living Dead Girl on it. He was big. Rob Zombie then, for some reason, decides he wants to make movies, which, like, obviously, being molded by horror movies as a child was probably something that his career was going to go down at some point. So he uh, independently makes his first feature film. Well, uh, side note and prefacing that, he directed and, like, uh, produced and wrote most of his music videos for White Zombie and his solo career. So, and uh, Jesus, they're listening to me again. So, regardless of, and he definitely has a very unique visual style, very influenced by gothic horror, gothic and like gothic horror and seventies and eighties exploitation film trash. So he makes his first movie. <laughs> oh God, this is really. Fucking me up. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, he makes his first movie, House of a Thousand Corpses. Do, uh, released, uh, makes a good amount of money, especially considering the budget and it's independently made. Not, not critically well received in any sense of the word, but he has a, a strong enough cult fan base that he can make another movie a few years later. Uh, and that movie's called The Devil's Rejects, which is the fan favorite horror movies, Rob Zombie fan's favorite Devil's Rejects, and also one of the few that I've not seen by him. 
because obviously I'm holding that off for Shocktober. Spoiler alert. So, and between this, like the movies, he's still making music. I uh, pr- puts out a live album, puts out an album called Educated Horses, which is a more laid back, not really experiment, kind of experimental, more like uh, grungy kind of sounding album, less heavy. On it is a um, song called Lords of Salem, which is, will be important later on in his career. Dimension gets the rights to the Halloween franchise, or Dimension has the rights to the fa- Halloween franchise, and they want to do a remake. Rob Zombie is a pr- pr- uh, approached to make this remake, and he does. He writes and directs it, and not only that, he makes a sequel. But in between, or no, yeah, he makes a sequel, then he makes Lords of Salem, and now we come full circle uh, to now. He's made, uh, he's just released a new album in uh, 2016. Uh, I forget, it's got a stupid long name, uh, and all the tracks on that have stupid long names too. But he's produced a new album, and he just had a new movie come out this year that was kickstarted, 31. So that is Mr. Robert Zombie. Love him or hate him, he is definitely making a shit pile of money and doing what he wants to do in terms of music and movies. That's the history of him. History of him. Not now, necessarily... Now we're going to go in and... Uh, hello. Um, okay. Now we're going to go in and we're going to talk about each movie. We're going to break it down. Critically. Critically. And from an enjoyment, guilty pleasure, disgusting. Now, I should preface this by saying, Matt, and to all you listeners out there, the 30 million of you listening right now. <laughs> all of them. All and of they're in still... our living room. Yeah, they're, right now. They're in they... Graham's living room right uh, now. They are, they are. Um, but I should preface this by saying we haven't seen, you and I combined, have not seen all of the movies. No. And we actually have seen, you've seen some that I haven't seen, and I've seen some that you haven't seen, so that should be noted. But we're going to talk about the ones that we have I've seen. I've seen one that you have seen, you have seen one that I have not seen. The yeah. rest we have seen. Except for, okay, we, we haven't seen 31 yet. So 31 isn't it. But we're going to be talking about the following films. We're going to be talking about... We'll start with House of Thousand Corpses, because I want you to get your perspective. I'll talk about Devil's Rejects. Might as well just go in order. And we'll talk. Yeah, we'll go, we'll go in order, and we'll we'll wrap it all up with uh, our, our pre, a, somewhat of a preview of, uh, of 31. 31! Perfect. The Malcolm McDowell impression is on. We're going to play 31! That was John Cleese. You're right, though. It was just John Cleese. <laughs> I think Matt, ever since I told him that John Cleese sounds a bit like Malcolm McDowell, he's just starting to, to adopt just, John Cleese's voice. It is terrible. Uh, 007! Oh, that was awful, too. Matt, we're going to start with you. Give your brief thoughts. Um, you know, actually, you don't have to keep me brief. Give your thoughts on Rob Zombie's House of a Thousand Dead Corpses. It's just corpses. Dead corpses is redundant. Oh, is it House of a Thousand House Corpses? House of a Thousand Corpses. Right, well, <laughs> give me a break. I'm just fucking with you. Um, no, uh, actually, I watched this movie a few days ago for the first time. Uh, for my birthday, our good friend Cecilia Ellsburned gave me a gift card to my favorite used video store. And she said the words, Matt, use this gift card to get... You better s- disclose what this place is called, Matt. Mega Media Exchange. You all fucking know what it is. But she she says the words to me. I'll never forget this. these circumstances. She says the, wor- says the words to me, gives me a $5 gift card. She says, Matt... Use this gift card to get something fucking inspiring. 
So I buy House of a Thousand Corpses because I have no respect for CC or gifts or life in general. To be fair, though, I enjoyed House of a Thousand Corpses. I expected to hate it, and I did not. I was pleasantly surprised. Granted, it is far from a perfect movie, but as a trashy throwback to Grindhouse, it like I could imagine like because like for from what I understand, Rob uh, Robert Rodriguez, Tarantino, Rob Zombie are actually. They're not like tight, but they know each other. They they would, I think they would show up at the same parties and shit. And so, House of a Thousand Corpses, I could imagine taking place in the same universe as Quentin Tarantino and Rob Rodriguez's Grindhouse movies. It's loud, ridiculous, gory. It's exactly what you expect from Robert Rodriguez, or not, not Rodriguez, Rob Zombie's first directorial and writing effort. Exactly what I expected. Um, the problems. I, well, I'll start with the problems before I go into what I liked. The problems I have with it. Sherry Moon should not be allowed to act. And that's going to be a fucking common theme, except with a few exceptions. That's going to be a common theme going throughout all this. She is obnoxious, grating, and annoying throughout this whole movie. And I know that's part of her character in this, but just no. She's there purely because... Rob is married to her, and this is the only movie that he's made with her that you actually see her naked, though, which I was took me by surprise. Um, the other problems I have with it, editing wise, it's a mess. It feels like it feels like clips from uh like scraps and pieces from a Rob Zombie music video from some from from in different points of the film. They jump from using like. Like DV cameras, giving like more like raw Blair Witch look to just like thirty-five millimeter film. It's distracting, but I can't even like give an excuse for it. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work most of the time. I got used to it, but it just it it does not work most of the time. The movie structurally, the movie is heavily heavily inspired by Texas Chainsaw, but it doesn't realize why Texas Chainsaw worked. Instead, it takes, like, the nuttiness of the family in Texas Chainsaw Massacre and kind of stretches that into the whole movie, which was, like, our friend Kyle Gustafson brought up. He took, like, the, the basically the dinner scene in Texas Chainsaw and made a whole movie out of it, which doesn't exactly work. It's, like, a little too over-the-top sometimes. Um... Uh, that's about, and other than just like uh, overall score, I, I will say eventually I want an overall score. Overall score Out of five. Yes. Okay, yeah, I can do that. Um, we'll do that for each movie. Yeah, break it down. Those, apart from like the basics of it, like it's a little routine. It's pretty cliched, but apart from that, those are the negatives I have with it. What I did like, though, I did like if you if you examine most of this movie as a pitch black comedy it actually works a lot better than like a horror movie that's supposed to be taken seriously because i think sid haig as captain spaulding is fucking hilarious some of the time right rob right. zombie is really trying to like captivate that weird like offbeat tarantino yammering that like happens in from dusk till dawn and death proof and stuff but it's like still rob zombie weird and loud and obnoxious and i i kind of love it 
the like the main the four like young adults that are writing the books that the heroes so to speak they're they're a lot of fun rain wilson i think pre-office don't quote me on that rain wilson is a lot of fun in it looks kind of like what i would look like if i was alive in 1977 um the pacing of it it's well paced uh some of the grittier and more disgusting and like uh, graphic moments are actually genuinely unsettling. There's so it's like it's like riding through a haunted house. There are some really genuinely like good like how ha- it takes place on October 30th and 31st. So there there's that for you. It feels legitimately like a a haunted house like spooky thrill ride. And I really got into it. Uh I actually, yeah, there's just, I, for what it was, it was, it's not Shakespeare, not one of the best horror movies ever made by any sense, but for what it was and for a Rob Zombie movie, I was pleasantly surprised and I got into it. You know, effective, maybe, maybe a slightly effective use of your gift uh, from CC. No, that's why I, I actually sent her. I'm like, well, definitely was not inspiring, but I enjoyed it. I would have to give it a three and a half out of five. Well, you know what? There, there are worse ratings in this world to give it. Um, no, right. I would say, I would go as far as to say, like three and a half, three and a half movies. I still consider pretty good. That's fair. All right, so now I'll talk about Devil's Rejects for a few seconds. And in order to properly assess Devil's Rejects, I need to also mention, hint at his other film elements of his filmography. My biggest problem with Rob Zombie as a whole. While I respect his vision and I can tell that he's a appreciative appreciative of horror movies. You don't need MTV Cribs to prove that. You can just tell through his visual style he has inspiration from old horror films. My biggest problem at the end of the day is what you kind of hinted at is one big fucking music video. We saw this in Lords of Salem. Not to the extent that it could have been. Oh, yeah. But towards the end there, we definitely got a little bit of a music video vibe going. And I don't know, I think that's because of the fact that he, that's what his career was for a long time, making music videos for, um, for, well, himself and his band, basically. Yes, basically himself and his band. And, and, and I, Did he do other ones by any chance? Not that I'm aware of. I feel like. If, if he did, it would have had to have been, like, other metal groups, because I don't think, like, I couldn't see, like, Seal, like, wanting Rob Zombie to direct his new music video. All right. I don't know what's oh, going shit. on out there. Oh, fuck. But it's, uh, it's, it's... Total, I don't know what's going on in here. Uh, but that's my biggest problem. So, and we're going to end the Facebook Live broadcast here for a second. And that's why I said, when I first watched... House of a Thousand Corpses, that's why I said, like, I don't know how much you would like it personally. So, okay. My biggest problem, like I said, was, was the music video thing. Now I'm trying to recollect my thoughts here. But in Devil's Rejects, I think it is a proper example of, and one of his best examples of a coherent Rob Zombie film, or a, or a coherent movie. Um, it feels it paced like a movie. It's not paced in a weird, choppy music video way, which I think it's actually probably... I don't know if he had a different editor for the different films that he had, whether that varied from Halloween, Devil's Music Sky. I know he's notorious for working for some of the same people in terms of acting. I don't know if it's the same for the crew. Um, but there was, a, there was a really bizarre, unique um, editing style. And by unique, I mean it was, it was 
it was coherent and it wasn't choppy. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it, was, it wasn't a mess. And that, and that sounds like it should be a, a simple thing. If you're making a Hollywood film, you should have a pretty, you know, for the most part, most films I would say are decently edited if you have a coherent editor. But for Rob Zombie, that seems to be a challenge. Um, what do I like about this film? So, so editing, that's the big thing that stands out. This, this movie is, is a coherent piece and in, in, in terms of technical, I, I guess I should, I should I should preface that by saying, I'm talking technically. It's probably his best film. It's it's probably shot the best, with the exception. I think Lords of Salem. We'll talk about Lords of Salem. That cinematography is probably the most standout of his career. But um, oh yeah, but but um, it's shot well. Um, it and it and it's paced well, and it it keeps you engaged. Standouts of the film: William Forsythe gives one of my favorite horror film. Uh, performances of all time as the 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 crazed. I think he's a. I haven't seen it in about two years, but he's crazed he's sheriff. A sheriff, yeah. sheriff. Excellent, over the top, exactly what you need. You know, a lot of Rob Zombie's characters are criticizing for being over the top, and that's because of the certain context that they're in. But in this movie, it works perfectly. The context that we're we're, we're immersed in, his over the top behavior is is perfect, and it works very efficiently. Um, Stand up, stand up. I mean, Sid Haig as Captain Spaulding is a beautiful casting move. <laughs> He's written perfectly, and, and Sid Haig embodies that character in, in such a really crazy, fun way. Um, the writing, look, and and I'll, we'll say this across the board for all Rob Zombie: the writing is what it is. You 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 you, you get what you get. You're not gonna get Aaron Sorkin. You're not gonna even get remotely in that that kind of area of 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 of, of screenwriting. Uh, heroism or whatever but you're gonna get what you it's get it's almost like it's like he has these really specific and offbeat imaginary friends and he's writing these movies about them that's very good way of putting it and uh that's a very that's a very good way of putting it. i like that a lot um but so yes the the writing is what it is it's probably his least white trash movie but still very white trash at the same time. <laughs> so take that for what it, what you will. House of the Thousand Corpses is pretty damn white trash. But this one is is toned down a bit, but you still get your white trash. My whole thing is, I think he was making a Robert Rodriguez movie. Devil's Rejects is a Robert Rodriguez movie. It is a From Dust Till Dawn homage in a weird way. You know, From Dust Till Dawn only came out about 10 years earlier. Right. It, it has a Robert Rodriguez feel to it. Um, almost a Quentin Tarantino feel to it. In a say lot of he's ways. definitely inspired. I think whether he like w- will admit it or not, I think he is inspired by those two. I was noticing it in House of Thousand Corpses too. Very, very much inspired, um, and really taken to the max of Devil's Rejects. Even just the basic scenery of the film looks like it was from From Dust Till Dawn. Uh, oh, the yeah, use of the desert, like the, the desert, yeah, all that really highlighted. Uh, they even had the whole motel scene from a spoiler. They have a, almost a almost a replica. Hotel scene in Devil's Rejects that happened from dusk till dawn. See, that's like the whole opening uh, pre credit scene of uh, pre-opening credit scene of House of Thousand Corpses is uh, Kevin Spaulding talking with some guy and two guys break into his shop, and that just reminded me immediately of the opening of From Dusk Till Dawn when uh, George Clooney and Quentin Tarantino uh, stick up the liquor store. I'll say From Dusk Till Dawn seems like a movie that Rob Zombie would definitely be into so oh, f- fuck not, yeah not very shocking <laughs> um what else to say about devil's rejects i really enjoy this film it's a hell of a good time 
it's 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 not a very complex plot whatsoever. We got a bunch of crazy fucks, uh, and they're being hunted by William Forsyth, and and they're committing crimes along the way. There's not much to it, um, but it's still it's a very entertaining film. Uh, if you have time to watch it during the Halloween season, Matt's gonna be checking it out during October. Absolutely, it's gonna be great, and you're gonna have a fun time. Uh, Rob Zombie isn't everybody's jive, and I get that, but um, I think if you're looking for a good Rob Zombie movie or a coherent one, you you stick with Devil's Rejects. From what I well, from what I've heard from you and from what I've heard from other like sources is that Rob Zombie Devil's Rejects is like. Like the closest to mainstream that Rob Zombie will oh, get. Oh, for sure, and you'll you'll notice that for the moment that movie. Other opens than like up. the Halloween remake, I guess, True. because that was a remake. But... True. Which we're going to be getting into in just a few seconds. So overall, out of five, I'm going to give it a four out of five. I so, really like Devil's Rejects, and um, four out of five in a sense of a horror movie. Right. So 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 that's pretty good. Um, yeah, I'm a tough grader when it comes to horror films. I'll be honest with you. I watch a lot of horror films, and uh, I said the majority of my movie-going experience is horror films. That's why I got into movies in the first place. Yeah. But that that being said, I'm also a very tough grader at the same time, and that's not to make myself sound better than anybody else. I just, I, I've always, you getting me scared when you do it. Hell, I mean, I'll, I'll, I will bow to you. But if you don't, I'm gonna point out why not. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, you know, it's one of the things. It's one of the things, and we'll talk about this numerous times throughout this podcast, um, throughout the entire duration. You know, being scared is one of those things when it is it, that stands out because it is. It's for me, it's very hard to get under my skin. And there's yeah. there movies out there that have, and there are movies out there that have failed in every possible way of doing so. So, get your variety. But that's um, that is Devil's Rejects. I will say this. Um, while a, a, a horror movie can fail at being scary, it still has the opportunity to deliver a compelling story and yes, interesting sure. characters. And I'm not gonna say Devil's Reject is very scary. I'm gonna say it's entertaining. That's another thing I should bring up. Horror movies can also have a very tough time entertaining me. If, if you're not scary and you don't have a good story, then you're really out of yeah. luck. Which is like, which is like to say, like if a comedy isn't funny, then you're kind of fucked, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, there. Um, there's fun movies. Like, I wouldn't say, for example, I don't even seen Animal House. Animal House isn't, like, blow me away funny. It's just right. fun. That's fair. Um, yeah, that's fair. I guess, I don't know. It's, just, it's harder. It's definitely harder, and I, I see what you mean for sure. Because um, that was something, like, I remember John Carpenter said that, like, everyone has a blast working on horror movies, but, like, working on comedies are a nightmare because, like, everyone's stressed out to make it work, basically. Yeah. Comedy's tough, man. I'll start a comedy show. That's what I should do. Yeah, that sounds good. Now we got to move into... Oh, my goodness. Again, I keep bumping the same thing right here. But I can't see it. Maybe we have to pick it up from your end. Is there a way that we're picking this up here? We've caused all-out war. I don't know. I'm breaking the radiator. Oh. Can you at least get it workable? It's Oh, it was working. It's good. I think it's good. Well, it just fell off on my end. <laughs> Jesus. We'll get that during our, our final break. I know I said we are going to take only two, but we're going to take a third one after the Rob Zombie discussion because we have a whole hour. hour. Before we go into Halloween, uh, something that you like hinted at, I think we both want to like Rob Zombie as a filmmaker more than we actually do because of his like knowledge of horror and yeah. his vision. 
I have a lot of respect for Rob Zombie as a, as a movie goer. I think that he, he likes many of the same movies that I do. But um, in terms of his filmography, that's a different. That's a whole different story. It's because he's not a subtle writer, his, his as we is, will point out now with, with Halloween. Uh, oh Christ, man! Oh, let me preface this by saying, if you're going to jump on the whole, well, Halloween isn't as bad as the Halloween two of two thousand nine. We're going to say right off the bat that we agree with you totally, but we're still going to shred both the pieces. We're gonna. Take... I'm gonna. Be, I'm gonna. Def- uh, yeah. No. I'm gonna. Shoot. I think we're. Gonna, no, Matt. You. You cannot go against this. We were here. We are here to take down these two. One worse than the other, but yeah. run nonetheless. I am going to. Well, then let me preface this. As much as I shred apart Rob Zombie's Halloween, I can still groove with it as a as a very very guilty pleasure. Very very. It's entertaining, but as a movie. Well, let's just let's just point this out here for a second. Let's start off with Halloween 2007, the movie that nobody really asked for, but we got it anyway, which seems yeah. to be a case with a lot of horror remakes. Remakes in general, basically. It's like the yeah. case of, like, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And Halloween 2007 is one of those examples of something that has promise and potential on paper, but whether through Rob Zombie or through the studio or whoever else, something some things just don't work when presented on film then. Yes, for sure, for sure. Let's start off with the glaring issue of Halloween, and that is everything. <laughs> I was going to say, no, what, I, it, what is it? <laughs> it's writing. It's the writing. It's the writing. The writing is horrible. It's it's laughably bad in po- certain points, and we're not just talking dialogue. We're talking about a construction. First of all, his biggest issue when he was writing this thing is he didn't sit down and think to himself, maybe I shouldn't split this thing into two completely different movies. And like when we, when we rewatched it, I said this would flow so much better if they had if if this was his vision, and the studio was fine with this, they should have either made it solely about Michael's origin. Or split it into two parts that they still really and wanted I think that what remake. I've, I've heard is I think that he actually that was his original intent, and I think for some reason I thought I read the studio egged him on to make it one feature, and that make that makes sense. And that makes sense because I see when I watch that opening part of that film, I see him setting up an entire movie around young Michael, but not being able to do it because he's got to get skip ahead. Yeah. Because, like, like I said, there's definitely potential, or I mean, not potential for a great film, but potential for something a different kind of than remake. Yeah, um, more than what it is. So, because like even if you listen to the, we were listening to the commentary with him. He said he even admits once it gets to like the remake, he's he- he's just basically heavily borrowing from the John Carpenter yeah, version. And, and I think yeah he. It's it's almost you almost can't dispute that at all. Um, anyway, so writing is is horrible. It's it's it's, it's constructed terribly. It's not it doesn't seem like it's thought through whatsoever. It's it it seems like the first draft was perfect, and they started to, they flew with it. Um, or yeah, it's paced all the fuck. Everything once like and we'll talk about editing too because that's also one of the biggest problems. Because once like you get to the. Once you get to like the 
the halfway mark, or even like a little far, a little beyond the halfway mark, when you finally actually introduce Lori and her friends, and it's present day Halloween, they have to rush through everything. They just like paraphrase the John Carpenter original because the majority of the film is dedicated to Michael's story. So, yeah, def- definitely. Um, so right, it gets dialogue, something that should be addressed. As fucked and we as, were talking about this. as fucked as the dialogue is, I still love it. <laughs> I, as fucked it is, but I, Matt, we can't dispute the fact. No, it's not good. It's not well written dialogue it's, it's, in any it's, sense it's, of the it's way. It's almost to the point where it's it's kind of like a whole fun little game that you can play while watching the movie, right? Um, with how bad it is, it's just like and the sheer kind of drink every time you hear something completely utterly white trash. Or yeah, it's like some just some of the most disgusting like. Just some of the most disgusting things imaginable that come out of people's mouths, and it's just the amount of times we've quoted this is unreal. Because like, and we shouldn't be quoting it because it's bad dialogue, but it's so memorably. It's not like horrible. It's pretty bad, but it's not horrible. It's not like the room standard. Like everyone quotes it because it's like it's mind blowingly stupid. This is just like weird and bad. <laughs> and yeah, it's it's quite awful. Um, and we were talking about this in, in Devil's Rejects context. It works because it's 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 the environment that you establish us in. These are you know there's white trash characters and it, it works. But it's the problem with Halloween is, is you've established. Now I understand. I'm all for doing new things, but there's a there's a point when you have an original content with the with the original John Carpenter Halloween. First of all, Illinois isn't that white trash. No, it, it was suburb, very suburban America. The Myers, from the brief, the brief knowledge we have of the Myers, and even through like the tidbits you pick up through the rest of the series, they're just like working class, regular, normal suburban family with, and something incredibly abnormal happened to them. Yep, I don't get it. Um, that that whole idea, but I think that Rob Zombie—that's just the world he lived in, and that's. And part of the problem is is when he is he's trying to justify something that n- never needed justification. Like in the original Halloween, I was totally okay with he's just a force of nature that is pure evil. In this, he's he's turning him into a realistic sort of a realistic real life psychopath that came from a shitty environment and a broken household. Which isn't interesting at all. We've seen it a million times. Mm-hmm. Um, what else here to talk about? Okay. So we have the writing out of the way. It's just, it's awful. It's worse than the sequels, we'll find out. What is your favorite quote from Rob Zombie's Halloween? <sighs> Bitch, I will crawl over there and skull fuck the shit out of you. That's well. A, that's a really good one. <laughs> or, uh, or, uh. I'm Joe Grizzly, bitch. <laughs> Which I, there's so many. I was good to you, Mikey. <laughs> that's always perfect. Uh, that's just as tragic as fuck, but Stan Dreho does not deserve to die. I think my, my favorite is good old Daryl Severo saying, you think she'd suck my dick for a quarter and let me suck her tits? Just horrible. <laughs> It'll ruin your spy kid's childhood memory. You'll never just... look at it the same way again. And then like you watch a commentary, Rob's just like, oh, this is how kids talk. It's like, well, yeah, but like it's still gross. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it's, sometimes it's shedding still light. Ju- it's still Junie from Spike. Yeah, it's you bastard. This would, this would mean that just because you're shedding light on reality doesn't make it good, Rob. <laughs> right. Uh, okay. Anyway. So. Where else was I going? Okay, we got the writing out of the way. An- right. Okay, another problem I have with the writing is like he's trying to justify like Lori and her friends as being more modern teenagers, but they're infinitely annoying and ditzy and just like so just airheadish that it's like unbelievable it's unbelievable and he's talking about he talks about in the commentary that it wouldn't be realistic for laurie to be so uptight and prudish in like today's world but it's like there's a way to do that and be like like have an interesting like lovable character not just like immediately tip the scale and like all right she's just like she's just like vulgar and gross like everyone else <laughs> yeah yeah it's 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 that's horrible um directing wise is kind of where the movie i think with the real problem in the movie in terms of the directing would be actually more be on the editor i should say i think the editing is where the the, the pacing issues i don't think it's a matter of directing it's a writing and editing issue. yeah the, the directing like like we always say he has a vision and he's selling it for yeah. better or worse whether it, you like you it or tell not. tell he has an intent with the film, yeah. whether it's good or bad. Um, so I don't have much to say about the directing. It's fine. Because, like, whether, like, even though the dialogue is stupid and the characters don't always work, they're competently portrayed. There yeah. isn't, and, like, even Sherry Moon is, like, tolerable. There isn't really a person in this movie that I'm like, yeah, they can fuck off. They're not good. I, not that I can think of. No, not really. That's a good point. Um, yeah, so directing isn't something I, I should say. Cinematography wise, handheld the entire movie. Almost. A lot of handheld. I, I, mean, I think you could count on two fingers the amount of time it's put on a tripod. Or no, a... yeah. And I was just pointing that out. I didn't realize it until we watched it last time. Because everyone, mainly because I don't own a fucking tripod, but everyone gives me shit for shooting handheld. And I was just all of a sudden noticing that the whole movie is just rickety and handheld. In, and in places that it doesn't need one be handheld, yeah, and it's just like one of those things that you can make I, work. I'm um, all for gritty and realism, but when there's just like Michael and his mother having a conversation, and the fucking things like wobbling, like there's an earthquake going on, there's no use to it. It doesn't add anything. No, not one, not at all. And I, I totally, I totally understand where you're coming from with that. Um, yeah, cinematography. I mean, lighting wise, it's fine. It, it, that's it's, that's just like fine detail there. Um, you know, not much. Oh, to yeah, say it's about lit, that. lit well. It's lit well. There's nothing. There's not really anything in that sense. I think of, like production, production design, including lighting and stuff like that. It looks and feels like Halloween. Yeah. No, it does. Um, the editing is where my problems come in here. And, and uh, I, I honestly, I don't have as big of a problem with the editing. I, although I see where you're coming from, it doesn't bother me as much as it does you. It's, Really weirdly paced in certain areas that doesn't, and and I think as an overall movie, it's paced terribly. Well, yeah, no, I it's, agree. It's a movie that could have been shaved off some I de- bits. I definitely uh, agree. So, I I will say, um, that's really adding. I I mean, in terms of certain certain cuts don't work here or there that I noticed when we, when we were watching it. Like it's just oddly, there's some odd cuts that he puts in there. I don't know if they, they were intentional or if that's what he had to work with. And weird cutaways and B-roll. Weird cutaways and B-roll. Um, some some oddly paced scenes that just go on forever. The fucking uh, the the scene where he kills his sister. Oh or, yeah, just that brutally was, that paced. That was weird. 
Doesn't make any sense. Could have all ended in the bedroom. We extended out to the hallway just yeah, to be gross. Just, he was, yeah, because he's like all about he's all about like the gritty realism and just like taking all the subtlety and like magic of the, the original Halloween out of it and just like make just going straight for the temple with blunt force fucking trauma. Yeah, it's it's really odd. It doesn't it doesn't work at all. Um, what else here to say about this? Um, but overall, my biggest problem at the end of this film, all the technical stuff aside, the biggest problem of the day is it, it was supposed to be two movies. Yeah. And the, all that aside, like, if you had split it into two films, I think my enjoyment would have skyrocketed above uh, what it was. Because I really get into the first half. I actually kind of like it going back. I, I do, like, yeah. I was like, okay, yeah, it kind of. I like it more than when it's like becomes an actual remake. It shreds, yeah, okay. Put all that stuff aside. It shreds the whole mystery about Michael, but it's his own thing. He's going for it. Yeah. That doesn't bother me nearly as much as it as it used to. Um, I've just grown past it, and I say, look, if I don't want to have an explanation, I just watch John Carpenter. That's not, true. Not the same universe. No, that's very true. I think it's just my problem is like. When you spend, like, the first hour and, like, 20 minutes or whatever it is with the person you're supposed to be afraid of, you become less afraid of him because you've seen him since literally, uh, like, childhood. Yeah. I don't know if he was trying to make some sort of weird biopic homage, too. (laughs) Maybe that's what he's doing. Is Michael Myers real? Answer right now on our chat board. Um, So... But if you split it in two movies, I probably wouldn't have felt. It's it's once we get through that whole interview section when he's a young kid with Mal uh, with Malcolm McDowell, and we we jump to when he's older, where the movie really takes us really dip downhill. Not not even counting the fact that it's just a almost beat for beat remake of the right, original yeah. with really not much added to it. It just it sends me down this weird like this doesn't even feel like the same movie. Like I know it's the same movie. We have. No, Malcolm yeah, McDowell it, in it, and it's, it's like two. It's two it's different like movies. When we, when we kick off when he's older, I feel like I'm being sent into another movie. Yeah, like someone took two movies and they spliced them together perfectly. It's weird. It's it's, it's a really weird phenomenon. It is really weird seeing how like yeah you you've established everyone from his childhood, and then they're either they're all like either dead or just like not important anymore. Yeah, it's it's nuts. Um. Should talk about the saving grace of this movie, though. Fucking Malcolm McDowell. Malcolm McDowell's pretty good in it. He's pretty great. I think you actually. like. I think you like him more than I probably I, do. I well, I love Malcolm McDowell in general, and I he he's just one of those people that always sells what he is like acting, and it's, it's really hard for me. But a lot of the time, I actually do prefer him to Donald Pleasance. Really, I which is controversial. I know. And probably just has. I think he's more engaging. I will admit, give you that, but I still I think, think it's just because I don't know. I just I find Malcolm McDowell as a whole a far more interesting actor to watch because like Donald Pleasance is a great actor, but even in like other movies that he's in, like the Halloween sequels, You Only Live Twice, Escape from New York, he's always just himself. Only he's wearing a new costume and new makeup and stuff. He's yeah. just still Donald Pleasance. I suppose you could make the same argument for Malcolm McDowell, but at the end of the day, I find him more engaging and more interesting. Yeah, and that's what it comes down to, is the engagement part. I, um, so at the end of the day, this movie, I'm going to give it a 
two out of two point five out of five. Okay. Because there is redeeming moments, and the first half really it it sets me in. I'm like, all right, I think this is a lot of problems with it, but I'm still entertained. I'm still with it. It falls apart in the second half, and it's just it's horrible. I, I think rewatching it again, I didn't realize how bad it was until I got to that second half. I'm like, wow, this is just hard to get through at points because it's just you hate everybody that's in it except for Brad Dorif and Malcolm McDowell. None yeah. of the people we're supposed to be sympathizing with I give a shit about. I do still, like, even though she's, like, not Lori, no. I, I still, I still, that's, that's just me. Yeah, I think she's, she's dreadful. I can't, I, I, that three, those three girls, I actually think Annie's the most sympathetic one. Um, She's got that really cringe so I lines. can't, I can't fucking stand Annie. Really? Uh, yeah, I I can't really stand either Annie or and Linda is just kind of there. Linda's the worst. Um, like and Linda was the one that's like kind of grating in the original. Linda is just and Linda didn't like she wasn't like awful, but she wasn't she was just kind of there. Annie just for some reason Annie was just like obnoxious and just like sarcastic in a in a nasty like mean-spirited kind of way and like even though Lori is like different and stuff i still find her like enjoyable i guess i don't know i mean you do sympathize her moments but i overall it's just I, there's something about it, it just never clicked with me that's fair how about you matt what is your rating i'm gonna be a little more fair i'm giving it a three out of five because i don't think it like it definitely loses a lot of steam but i don't think it it quite crashes and burns in the second half. I think the whole climax, even though like it could have ended a lot sooner, I think the whole climax is paced well and is pretty intense for the most part and enjoyable. And like we said, so we do like what the opening of the movie, the first better portion of the movie has to offer. So I think I enjoy it. Like it's still like not a good movie. Guilty pleasure, but I enjoy it more than you. It sounds like all right. So yeah, three out of five. Fair. I know you're not going to enjoy this new one. No, this next one. The next gonna, two are. Gonna I probably gonna like this one better than you. The are. next two are going to be rough to get through. <laughs> uh, Halloween two was the sequel and follow up to the 2007 remake. It almost seems as if Rob didn't really put his heart into this one at all. Uh. I mean, you thought his writing was bad in Halloween one. You're about to, which go is down weird because really... we were listening to that commentary, and he's like, he's like, like glad that he had like more freedom and stuff. He's more enthusiastic, it sounds on that. Yeah, um, I don't know what that whole situation is. I don't know whether or not he would say today because Halloween, Halloween two is better than because Halloween, Halloween two is definitely more Rob Zombie than Halloween one. Ooh, I would say that's very but, like, true. In, but like in a bad way. Um, we're going to go through this a little bit more quickly than the other one. Halloween 2, its biggest problem today is simply writing. There's nothing more to it. It's, it's just terrible. It's the, the writing is what kills this movie. You could, you could direct this thing to perfection if you wanted to, but the script is just a mess. It's, it's, it's so all over the place and doesn't make any fucking sense at points. Um, like I said though, I mean, cinematography is fine at points. Um, it's get, well. He does a good job always capturing the the Halloween feel. You get you get that atmosphere. It was like the dreams dream sequences and the party sequences in the movie. It do, does still feel like Halloween. Um, but at the end of the day, 
all that aside. I will say, though, actually, no, I disagree. Better portion of the movie, though, everything is, which I've talked about in previous podcasts, is so gray and dull and desaturized. But as like a technically, it's still fine. It's still fine. It looks, you know. No, you're right. um, But yeah, that bleakness definitely did. That didn't get to me nearly as much as it does you, but I definitely see where you're coming from. Really, because just like for like the first one had such an interesting like it was, it was I don't know more colorful. It was more colorful, yeah. And it's just it felt like autumn. This one like they shot it in February in Alabama, yeah, Alabama, Atlanta, Atlanta. Excuse me, and everything just looks dead. It was just like post like like post Thanksgiving dead. Yeah. It is. It's one of those things. I do notice where you're coming from. Like I said, it didn't bother me nearly as much. I get past it, but I, I see what you mean. Um, but writing, right? Yeah, writing at the end of the day, horrible, awful. Um, I still don't. A dozen characters that you could cut from the movie. All the characters from the previous films are are changed by the events of the first one, and are Malcolm just... McDowell becomes unbelievably an asshole. So does Laurie. Yeah, they're both just it, to an extent where it doesn't work whatsoever. This, I sympathize with Annie far more in this. Oh one yeah, because she has to deal with Lori's shit the whole time. Yeah. Only character I can ever get behind that movie is Annie and Sheriff Brackett. They're the Sheriff only Bra- Brad Dourif. Yeah, Brad Dourif is the same grace as this movie. If he wasn't in this movie, it'd be intolerable. And even though like Loomis is written awfully, I still think Malcolm McDowell sells it for all it's worth. Yeah, it is. At the end, I think he actually genuinely becomes decent and he's like, wow, I'm kind of being a pretentious douche. Then he gets fucking axed. Spoiler alert. Uh, If you haven't seen the movie, though, that's your fault. Um, We don't have to see it. If you haven't seen the movie, good, just keep it that way. (laughs) I've seen it five times, folks. I've seen it one and a half, and I've just... I still can't. I just I can't do it. I can't even. I can't do it as a guilty pleasure, which is for better or worse. I can usually do with Rob Zombie's music and his like movies. Um. No. Oh, yeah. At the end of the day, I'm gonna give this one a one and a half out of five. A half star, thanks to Annie and Bracket, and um, some interesting kills here or there. Whether they're they're a little grotesque, but can say that they were like, oh, that was kind of cool. He beat the fuck out of that person. Um, there's moments here or there. But uh, overall, pretty pretty awful. Not something anyone needs to see. Matt, how about you? One. All right. I just... It is pretty bad. It's... Oh God, it's just... It's mean and ugly and and makes no fucking sense and convoluted and dense and just... It's gross. It's fucking yeah. It's gross. It fucking sucks. It's just like I can't think of. I can't even like. It makes me so angry on like a fan of even like for better or worse a fan of the Halloween franchise. It makes me so angry on so many levels. Not as angry as Resurrection, but we'll save that for oh, another day. God. Okay. Yeah. We'll move right. into the last. Uh, <laughs> the last uh, Rob Zombie movie that we want to talk about, which is Lords of Salem. And then we'll now, take, I like this one more than you do, but I still don't like, we'll take a like quick, it. And we'll take a quick break after this one, but we do want to wrap up our Rob Zombie conversation with Lords of Salem. 2012, definitely his homage to Kubrick. Very um, much. And almost to the point where it's like, you could point out numerous times, wow, that's a Kubrick shot. I think we did. Just like every oh, time there yeah. was a long tracking shot in the hallway, it's like Have that's door. The Shining, that's uh, a Clockwork Orange. Uh, a little bit of Nicholas... Uh, Referen, 
when when yeah some winding some of the reffing lighting. yeah the lighting and stuff it's definitely like I feel I just I feel like he was it was like Kubrick for him though Reffin just might have slipped in there because oh Reffin I'm sorry I fucked that no it's all good it's, but like he probably just like slipped in there because of the time and like just when like because that came out in, like 2013 Drive came out in, like 2011 I think yeah. Only God Forgives came out the same year actually yeah, so that's so. probably just it's not near yeah but still like nonetheless I think you, you could compare the two in lighting yeah style. but like even though it is just like he's ripping off Kubrick I think the cinematography is pretty solid it's pretty it. solid and it's got some pretty, it's got some pretty unique visuals and, and unique memorable visuals, visuals that are a victim of a very shallow poor story. writing. Yeah, it's and a, then that seems to be the common thing we keep coming back to with Rob Zombie, and that's the reason I think we don't. We we talked about this earlier. We don't appreciate him all the way as a filmmaker because he 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 definitely he can't back up his vision with. Well, really, anything. His style is. I don't want to say style over substance because his style isn't even that unique to him. Uh, as a filmmaker, we've seen gritty and like weird horror movies yeah, before. He's, he's so inspired, it's like but a Tarantino. He just, he, whatever his style is, he can't back it up with his substance. I guess definitely. I yeah. It it, it to me it did nothing for me. I sat there saying this is boring me to hell. Um, I I wasn't quite as for some reason but i am a sucker for kubrick and reffin which is, can, is i love kubrick but but um kubrick i know there's more going on there maybe if like if i rewatched it i probably would get very bored of it like i think just because it's the first time watched so you're kind of waiting first for time yeah i was kind of, i was i was kind of hooked i in all honesty i was intrigued by the story and was interested to see if it had a decent payoff, and it never really happened. Does. That's <laughs> another really bad, bad, glaring issue about this film. Is it's, it, the payoff is? I, feels, I, mean, I can tell you what the payoff was. It yeah. doesn't make any sense. It's 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 supposed to be super deep and dramatic, which I is think, my problem. Yeah. I, this is the I problem. It's because symbolism. I hate when filmmakers have symbolism in their movie, but it's not like it's not vague enough to keep you guessing, but it's not like obvious enough so you like know what it means. The thing is, and that's another problem that I, I should point out. This doesn't feel like a Rob Zombie movie at all, and I can tell that he's like trying to be someone else. Is he, I, mean, I think he's just trying to do... Well, after... Because he apparently had such bad experiences making Halloween movies that maybe this was just him trying to, like, start a fresh slate or something. True. I just... Oh, doesn't man. make it Doesn't make it good. Yeah, not, I think that not, it's... it's it feel, It's the least Rob Zombie movie he's ever made. No, it's definitely... Yeah, it's, like, it's weird when you're, like, disappointed. Like, man, I want, like, weird yeah, Rob but Zombie it, bullshit. The, but oddly <laughs> enough, it's, like... It, but that's the thing. My problem is just not entertaining because some of these are entertaining because they're Rob Zombie films, and you get those Rob Zombie characters. You get some Rob Zombie characters in this one, obviously. But yeah. uh, definitely heightened... Or, or, or not heightened, lowered down. Um, so I'm going to give this one a 2.5 out of 5. Really don't enjoy it. Mostly because I'm just bored out of my mind. I can I can get into the visuals here or there, but but that's not enough to keep me engaged. Um, you gotta you gotta have some some baseline story to it to, to to keep me hooked. Matt, I know you're probably gonna give it a little higher, but no, actually two and a half is what I I stick with because like I stand by the fact like there were actually there were a few genuinely there a few genuinely good visuals in the movie that actually kind of startled me and were kind of like actually like made me. 
intrigued into what he was but again you got fucking Sherry Moon as your fucking main character and she can't act to save her fucking life oh my god brutal 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 and it's not even like the fact that she like was bad she's just boring and doesn't know how to deliver fucking lines ever um but yeah there are a few visuals and a few elements of the story that was like okay you've really got me kind of intrigued Please let this build to something, and it never does. Never does. It no. feels like, and like, the ending is such a clusterfuck of, ask me what it means, ask me what it means, I'm deep, I can make deep movies too. And then he just goes and makes another fucking heavy metal album, and it's like, no, Rob, no. you can't, but that's okay. We love you anyway. <laughs> you love him. Two and a half out of five. Let's give, um, we're not actually, not, I was going to do a preview of 31, but what else is there to say? We're both hyped to see I'm it. Like, I'm honestly It looks like he's getting 31. back to his roots. And this is like, on Rotten Tomatoes, this is, it has his highest critical approval which out of all of his juice. movies. Gets his juice. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm I mean, pumped. 61 isn't high, but it's his highest out of his It's good for Rob Zombie. Movies. It's good for Rob Zombie. Well, let's give an overall rating of his filmography, um, A to F. So, a to F. So let's say we're, we're he Rob Zombie's school of film, or we're in school and we're grading Rob Zombie's film. Like, that's okay. a better way to put it. So I, I like House of Thousand Corpses. Mm-hmm. You like Devil's Rejects. We tolerate Halloween. Yeah, and then we don't like Halloween two, two, and we don't like Lords of Salem. Salem. I'm gonna give him as a filmmaker. I'm gonna give him a C plus. As a filmmaker, as a whole, yes, and his that's filmography. A, yeah, that's C about plus. what I was because, because like, he has moments of shining. He's got shining moments. Uh, yeah, as like a director, I would give him a B, but as like a storyteller, I would give him like a C minus. So I think yeah, like, storyteller would be C minus. So like sure. B minus C plus somewhere in there for me too. All right, that's great. I mean, that's good enough for him. Yeah. I think he'd be satisfied with. It. <laughs> he's been shredded by the uh, the critics before, so I think and you know he's got generous. his he's got his dedicated. He's got a fan. He's base. got a massive fan base. He doesn't care. He's making them for the fans. His like loyal Definitely. Rob Zombie heavy metal fans. All More right, more power to him. That is Rob Zombie. That is Rob Zombie. We're gonna be right back here at Monsters of Midnight. We got about forty minutes left. Stay tuned.